Hello and welcome to the Total Entertainment Podcast with me, Paul Collis. And today it's a very unusual show because we have a double headliner. Yes, a double headliner. Now, who is double headlining today's show? Well, we have Blackstone Cherry and The Darkness. And supporting them is Danko Jones. So, an interesting show to say the least. I've seen Blackstone Cherry and I've worked on one of their shows in the past. And they were good back then. And this was pre-pandemic. And it'd be great to see them again post-pandemic. Although I've never had the pleasure of doing The Darkness until now. So, let's have a look at what's going on, on with the build at the moment. So, it is a five-truck show. And currently, they're tipping three trucks in the arena on the arena floor and the other trucks have been tipped already and out of the building and they're sat currently in the yard so currently they've still got a load of stuff in the air they've got the pickers out and to be fair that it's only yeah, at 10 23 in the morning on the build day now we'll be going from the build day and then on to show day during this podcast and we'll be obviously editing it down because it's such a long period of time so currently they've got four lighting bars being worked on on stage and they're currently getting the loading points put in for the front of house bar so far i can see a load of ad profile moving head units on all bars and we also have a shed load of four cell mole phases on every single bar. So currently I'm looking at at least 30 of them. So that would be nice and bright. And they'll probably have those warming the audience in between sets as well. But we will confirm that later on. Currently the PA stacks, stage left and stage right, are being constructed. And I can see a load of subs on dollies waiting to go into position in front of the stage and possibly uh, possibly flown that I'm not too sure just yet now there's a lot to go and a long time for them to do it so Blackstone Cherry are an American rock band formed in 2001 in Edmonton in Kentucky they were signed to Roadrunner Records until 2015. The band is now signed to Mascot Label Group. The band consists of Chris Robertson, lead vocals and lead guitar, Ben Wells on rhythm guitar and backing vocals, Steve Jewell on, ba- on bass and backing vocals, and John, F- John Fred Young on drums and backing vocals. Blackstone Cherry has released seven studio albums as well as two EPs and have charted 17 singles in the US mainstream rock uh, in the US mainstream rock track charts the latest album the human condition was released in 2020 so we've gone over the uh, current members you got an extra uh, musician you got jeffrey boggs who does bongos and other percussion instruments for uh, the actual tour and we'll have a look at their early years so black saint cherry originated in edmonton kentucky chris robertson and Jeff Field Young, song of the Kentucky Headlock, Head, the Kentucky Headhunters, rhythm guitarist Richard Young started to play music together in, together early in their teens, and was soon joined by Wells and Lawhorn. Blackstone Cherry officially formed on the on June the fourth, two thousand and one. 
They then took over the practice house which had been used by Kentucky Headhunters since 1968 and began to record tracks. They also began holding shows at clubs in the area and often and after a short while they gained a large following of people of all ages in the town. In 2003 the, on Blackstone Cherry Records the band released their first demo on CD called Rock and Roll Tape. The band's debut self-titled album was released in May 2006. After the band finished recording, they returned to Edmonton, invited by, invited by the former school principal for a homecoming gig in the gym of the mo- local middle school, which was attended by, thi- by uh, 1,500 people. As the band entered the town, the streets were filled with people holding welcome home signs. In July 2007, they released a second recording, an EP, which contained the song Rain Wizard along to along with two previously unreleased tracks. The first live album was released on the fir- on October the 31st 2007 and was recorded in, at the Estonia in London and copies were sold to the crowd immediately after the concert. The album is a strictly limited edition and as of uh, as of January 2013 mint copies were selling for 200 pounds on Amazon. Right so there is one former member, John Lohan, who played bass guitar and backing vocals from the start to 2021. And their discography is Blackstone Show 2006, Folklore and Superstition 2008, Between the Devil and Deep Blue Scene 2011, Magic Mountain 2014, Kentucky 2016, Family Tree 2018, The Human Condition in 2020, and their EPs are Black to Blues in 2017 and Black to Blues Volume 2 in 2019. Now we've heard from Blackstone Cherry, we're going to check out The Darkness. The Darkness are a British rock band formed in in Lowsoft, England. The band consists of Justin Hawkins, lead vocals and guitar, his brother Dan Hawkins, rhythm guitar, backing vocals, Frankie Pollan, bass guitar and backing vocals, and Rufus Tiger Taylor on drums and backing vocals. The Darkness came to prominence with the release of their debut album Permission to Land in 2003, backed by the singles I Believe in a Thing Called Love, Growing On Me, Get Your Hands Off My Woman, and Love Is, the only, Fe- is only a Feeling. The album was certified quadruple platinum in the United Kingdom with sales of over 1.3 million. In 2004, the band won three Brit Awards, Best British Group, Best British Rock Act and Best British Album. After extensive extensive touring in support of their debut album, Pollen left the band in 2005 and was replaced by former guitar technician Richie Edwards. The band's second studio album, One Way Tickets to Hell and Back, was released in November 2005. The following year, Justin Hawkins departed from the band after successfully completing a course of rehabilitation from alcohol and cocaine abuse. This, combined with the poor sales of the album, resulted in Atlantic dropping the band in October 2006. After the split, the remaining members formed Stone Gods and continued to perform and record without Hawkins, who subsequently fronted his own project Hotleg. On the 15th of March 2011, The Darkness announced its reunion shows with original bass Frankie Pollen, including, da- including Download Festival 2011 and the Isle of Wight Festival in 2012. Their third album, Hot Cakes, was released on the 20th of August 2012. Original drummer Ed Graham left the band, feeling the strain of touring was affecting his personal life, in which he had pressing issues. In 2015, 
A fourth studio album was announced entitled Last of Our Kind, which was released on the 2nd of June 2015. A fifth album, Pinewood Smile, was released on the 6th of October 2017, and one year later, on the 15th of June 2018, a live album, Live at Hammersmith, was also released. The sixth sixth studio album, Easter is Cancelled, was released on the 4th of October 2019. After the COVID-19 pandemic put a stop to their world tour in 2020, the band wound up the year with a one-off streamed live show titled Streaming Streaming of a White Christmas, which was also recorded as a new live album and slated to be released on CD and vinyl in June 2021. On the 4th of June 2021, the band announced their seventh studio album, The Motor Heart, would be released on the 15th of October in 2021. With an extensive UK tour, though November, through November and December in 2021. Justin Hawkins had been initially inspired by, to play guitar by Brian May of Queen, as he loved the tone and vibrato. Originally known as Empire, the band generated some music industry buzz through their manager Sue Whitehouse, who was based at Savage and Best in Camden. Whitehouse had managed them since Justin Hawkins' time as a creator of music jingles. Renamed The Darkness, they became renowned for their live show and such the popularity of the band. They had a Carling homecoming gig booked for the London Story before they had even signed a record deal. Joe Taylor, Alan Jones and Paul Sackcliffe of the Tip Sheet first heard about the band through a post on the Tip Sheet's mas- message board and featured Love Is Only A Feeling in January 2002. They started Record of the Day and featured this song again around the time of SXSW in March 2003. They wanted to feature Friday Night 2 but they were told the band was saving it for the album. According to A&R, Nick Raphael... In, in an interview with Headquarters, there was no initial clamour to sign the band. There couldn't have been less, less of a buzz and only two record labels showed any interest in them. He believes the reasons for lack of interest was that the business as a whole thought they were uncool. In fact, people were saying that they were a joke and they weren't real. Raphael continued, Now 3.5 million records later, they're one of the greatest bands of all in the world and that's because they did what was real. They weren't copying anyone. If they were copying, then they were copying someone from 20 years ago and no one else was doing that. However, throughout their career, critics around the world would label them as a joke band as part of Sony Music and Raphael had attempted to sign them but the band instead opted to go with Atlantic Records. In August 2006, the singer, lead, the lead singer Justin Hawkins was admitted into a re- rehabilitation clinic in concern of his health, which caused the band to cancel several concerts. Around this same time, the band confirmed that they were to start working on their third album and, and to be released early 2007. Tabloid rumours held that Justin Hawkins was leaving the band after completing his course of rehabilitation from alcohol and cocaine problems, and the band would continue without him, possibly with Richard Ed- Richie Edwards as the frontman. In response to the story being reported by the media, the darkness confirmed on their official forum. We're sorry that you had to find out find us out through, our, through the newspapers, but we were hoping until the last minute that this, Justin's exit, wasn't going to happen. We, Dan, Ed and Richie, are still in shock and can't, and can't say at this stage what the future holds. We'd like to thank all our fans, partners and family for the continuous support and we'll heal for... And, will hear from us once we know what we want to do. Hawkins' departure and lackluster sales of One Way Ticket to Hell, which had only gone gold compared to the previous album's four times platinum status, led to Atlantic dropping the band from the label.
Using the pseudonym British Well, Hawkins went on to release a cover versions of the Sparks song This Town Ain't Big Enough for the Both of Us, reaching number 6 in the UK singles chart. In 2007, he launched a failed attempt to represent the UK in the Eurovision Song Contest. In 2011, Hawkins gave a different explanation for his departure from the band, saying he left because he felt the band had stopped being creative. Right, so current members, we have Justin Hawkins on the lead vocals and rhythm guitar keyboards. Dan Hawkins, rhythm and lead guitar back and backing vocals. Frankie Pollan on bass backing vocals and Rufus Tiger Taylor on drums backing vocals. Former members are Ed Graham on drums, Chris McDougall on lead and rhythm guitar, Richie Edwards on bass and backing vocals and Emily Dolan Davis on drums. And we've gone over the discography already. So, it's an interesting history on the darkness. Wow. Okay, so, we're going to take a look at their support artist, Dan, uh, Danko Jones. Danko Jones is a Canadian hard rock trio from Toronto. The band consists of Danko Jones uh, on vocals and guitar, John J.C. Uh, Calbury's on bass and Rich Knox on drums. The band's music includes elements of hard rock and punk and they're known for their energetic live shows. Formed in 1996 by namesake Danko Jones, Danko Jones played consistently for two years after formation in and around the northeastern United States and Canada, opening for the New Bomb Turks, Nashville Pussy, Blonde, Blonde Redhead, make, The Makeup, The Dirt Bombs, The Chrome Cranks and The, the Demolition Doll Rods. Originally they did not intend to release an album, preferring to have the band's live reputation spread by the word of mouth. Eventually the trio relented and puts out a self-titled six-song EP on Sonic Union Records in 1998. In 1999, the band performed around Toronto, including the Lee, pa the Lee Palace and the, and the Horseshoe Tavern. That year, they released their self-proclaimed My Love Is Bold EP and released a single, Bounce. They were nominated for a Juno Award in 2000 for Best Alternative Album. In early 2000, Danko Jones opened for Beck at Maple Leaf Gardens. In 2001, Bad Taste Records released a compilation of the band's early recordings, demos and b-sides entitled I'm Alive and on Fire. A five-week European tour followed to promote the release, including shows at the Rock Slide Festival in Denmark and Holtzfrid Festival in Sweden. By the end of the year, they had returned twice more, once as main support for Backyard Babies. In 2002, they released their first full-length album, Born a Lion, produced by Bill, by Bill Bell on Bad Taste Records in Europe and on Universal in Canada. The band did several European tours and two Canadian tours to promote the record, including a repeat performance at Rockside, Rosekill and a return to Huddersfield, as well as tops to Puckle Pop in Belgium and Lowlands Festival in the Netherlands. They also performed the opening slots with the Rolling Stones on their 40 Licks World Tour kickoff show at the Pal Palais Royal in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and August 6th in 2002. So 2003 saw the release of We, S we Sweat Blood, produced by Matt Delmato and the group taking a heavier approach to their hard rock sound. More touring followed that included Europe and Japan. They were also nominated for two Junos, Best Rock Album, Born Alive, and Best Video for Lovacool. 
While success was happening abroad, home relations with Universal Canada had soured and the band was dropped mid-album run. Explanations from the label were vague, but the separation happened after Jones's February 2004 appearance on the CBC Sunday, where Jones appeared as a pro-downloader opposite the CRIA president. Brian Robinson. In spite of being dropped from Universal Canada, the group continued to tour heavily for the rest of the year, uh, well into 2004, with Turbono, Spectula, and The Bronx. Whilst touring, they received another Juno nomination for Best Rock Album, We Sweat Blood, and tour Australia as well as more European dates, including Rock AM Ring and Rockin' Park, and download Leeds and Reading in England. So, current members are Dan K. Jones, lead vocals and guitar, John Calabrese, uh, formerly Scalato on bass, and Rich Knox on drums. And the former band members, Michael Carasari, formerly known as Grand Sofigato on drums, Gavin Brown on drums, Nicky Quintal on drums, Damon Richardson on drums, Don Cornelius on drums and Atom Willard on Surprise Surprise Drums. So the discography is I'm Alive and I'm on Fire in 2001, Born Alive in 2002, We Sweat Blood in 2003, Sleep is the Enemy 2006, Never Too Loud in 2008, B Size 2009, Below the Belt in 2010, Rock and Roll is Black and Blue 2012, Fire Music in 2015, Wildcat in 2017, Rock Supreme in 2019, and Power Trio, and Power Trio in 2021. Right, so that's going to be a very interesting lively lineup, and I'm looking forward to seeing the finished product. So, a lot has happened. It's been quite a few hours since I last um, said anything on here obviously edited together it will be near enough instantaneous but I digress so what has happened now well the line arrays are up and they are too wide and 15 deep and set a little bit further back at 45 degrees for surround sound effect you also have uh, the uh, side ones which is too wide and 10 deep you have Eight banks of subs along the front of the stage and each bank is two high and three wide and then you have a selection of front fields on top of each sub well I say each sub you've got raised subs so you've got out of the uh, subs at the front you've got four that are raised on dollies and those are the ones with the front fields on and the ones that that are directly on the floor are they are uh, without they are without front they are without front fills they've built riser center stage which looks like it's got ad panels either side of either side of the uh, staircase that goes up from the stage to the drum riser and these ad panels they are 45 degrees so basically they're they are a ramp. I'm not sure if they are actually LED panels. They could be black grills, but they're going to probably shine lights up through underneath. That I'm not sure yet. It's a bit hard to tell when they don't have the when they don't have those bits powered up. And actually, there's lights on them now, where they're just flashing through the rig on top, and they do just look like black grills. Behind the drum riser, you have 
a selection of of ADX strip buttons which are uh, pan and tiltable so they can be near enough any colour. Those are obviously in place of the LED strobe floods because they don't have any of those but these are next best things. They can also be used as light curtains if they are from the top of the grid, if they are on top of the grid pointing downwards. These units are on trusses that are on wheels and they have a nice little a nice set of black tabs to hide the fact that they are trusses on dollies. There are some unit there are some floor units uh, scattered around the stage on the outside edge and that is about it. You also have some more dollies with lights on which are full of darkness which have not been put in that will be done tomorrow at some point and we will see how they change the stage later on that day i.e. tomorrow well this is where I'm going to sign off for today because this is as much I can give you because nothing else is going to happen today apart from programming parts of the show and we're back so it's day two of the build and it's also the first show day well it's the only show day we got in Cardiff but um, what we've done is we've moved the uh, drum riser backwards uh, behind a uh, mid-stage drape I say mid-stage is more two-thirds of the way up and place a smaller drum riser down center stage by the uh, drape and the darkness will be performing first out of the two bands and obviously the support will be set in front of the darkness but what have they got so they don't have the back bar of lighting because the you've got the drape in the way so they're going to have three of the uh, four bars and then they've also got a bank stage left and stage right on the floor of the LED strobe floods so either side of the drum riser and then behind that they've got their own uh, truss dollies with some uh, profile units on top of those they've also got some uh, LED strobe floods stage left and stage right on the downstage sections and they've also got a couple of uh, mold phases well I say a couple one mold phase stage left and stage right uh, on floor level so an interesting little bit of setup there and I'm sure that they will do wonders with what they've got but other than that the rest of the setup is the same as Black Eye Cherry so Dan K. Jones they came on to an overture which was quite reminiscent of a movie soundtrack though I can't put my finger on what soundtrack and what movie it was to be honest but it just had that feeling to it anyways I digress so when the band came on they started up and were oozing raw energy sound wise um, as, as soon as they started they thundered into existence onto that stage and yeah it was gratuitously loud but and I say but this is because this is the first time they were uh, <laughs> this is the first show of the tour so they're just bedding everything in and what they ended up doing by the end of the first song was slowly pulling down the volume to make it more acceptable and then by the third song everything was tweaked to be uh, very perfect in the sense in the grand scheme of things 
that you didn't start off uh, with much clarity whatsoever. But but as I said, by the third song, they got their uh, 22 karat gold uh, gold standard for uh, clarity and volume. So it worked well. It just took a little bit of time to get them uh, in. But but on their second show of the tour, I'm guessing they just hit the recall settings, tweak a little bit during the sound check for the uh, different venue. You know for the acoustics and whatnot and they would be straight into their uh, 20 into 22 carats clarity uh, standard so they did really well actually they did very well now lighting wise they only had one state through from start through finish and that's because you had the lights for the darkness behind them and also the lights for blackstone cherry as well so they only had a basic wash and that was a few uh, backlit purples, a few uplit reds, and some face light from the front. So, basic but good. All they wanted was to be seen, and that's what they needed to do. Now, performance-wise, I thought that Danko Jones did really well. They really brought on... Uh, I mean, when they first come on, they uh, were brought on by the audience with lots of screams, lots of cheers and whatnot, because the audience knew who Danko Jones were and uh, they enjoyed it. Every uh, song you had people bobbing, you had people bopping, bouncing around, a little bit of a mosh here and there and it was good, it was nice and it was nice to see, very nice to see. You had people in their 40s and 50s just getting down with it, you know, with a nice heavy rock band. Couldn't go wrong with it, you really couldn't go wrong with it. And Danko Jones also knew how to play to the crowd. I mean, uh, every couple of songs they'd do a brief pause, have a little bit of a uh, bit of uh, passer with the audience, had, and then they had the audience eating out the palm of the hand. You know, that's the way you want to see things. Brilliant warm-up artists, definitely, definitely, yeah, fit in with the uh, darkness and the and Blackstone Cherry. Good band to start. A good band to start a show with. And they just did, and they just could do no wrong, right? So how were the darkness? Ooh. Personally, out of all three artists, I thought the darkness were the better uh, artists. But you know, personal ta personal taste and whatnot. But the darkness were on fire tonight. They were excellent. So the house lights went down, and. There were, and the stage was just left with a dim Congo blue wash which then faded down slowly then an overture played in the background which which had a very classical Scottish uh, style I couldn't put my finger on what that song was either but it definitely had a nice Scottish feel to it with a bit of uh, flutes and tin whistles then the band's logo got projected onto the uh, silver backdrop and the Congo, Congo blue lights were turned down stage with magenta lights on the backdrop and then the band walked out and as the darkness started a load of pyros went off down stage so you had a bit of a bang and you also had a whole row spanning from stage left to stage right of downward cascade so all the sparkly uh, bits just catching down making a big old um, making a big old waterfall of sparkles it was great and if you heard about their second show uh, a couple of days later 
I believe it was in Nottingham. No, it was Manchester. They had an evacuation because the uh, cascades and smoke overwhelmed the uh, system, and it didn't take that into account. So uh, and have people muting alarms and whatnot. So the uh, building's automated uh, automated evacuation system went off and got people to leave. And then, as soon as they got it back under control, everyone come back in and the darkness resumed their set. That would have been great to see. It would have been a pain in the bummer from an operational point of view, but it would have been great. I mean, our, from our, but from our show, it filled the building with smoke, like uh, it, like the Manchester. But we knew uh, to ha we, uh, we we knew that kind of like that it would probably set off and overwhelm our our alarms and whatnot. So what we did at that point in the show. Just before it happened, we opened up all the uh, stage doors, backstage and whatnot, so it just completely vented the area out and not set off, set off multiple alarms, which is why our automated alarm system didn't go off. Anyways, I digress. <laughs> right, so from down, from start to finish, we had we had a high octane performance with with the band just constantly full of energy i mean they were dripping with energy and both the darkness and the audience were feeding off of each other's energy and fueling each other you know it's like if you got some fire and you put and you dump a canister of gasoline onto it and it just gets even more you know just fueling that fire and that's what the audience and the darkness did to each other they were amazing absolutely amazing Lighting wise, there was a lot of flash and trash, but this flash and trash was organized, so it wasn't random, it was all down to set pieces. And when you know, when this uh, when a song slowed down or was a slow song, you wouldn't have the flash and trash, but when bits picked up, it would do it. It looked amazing. I do like shows like that, um, and plus, it was very precise as well. Um, Sound-wise, we were treated to platinum quality clarity, so you had a very nice volume. It wasn't overkill; it was just right. Everything, every instrument within the uh, band setup was in perfect harmony, and you could pick everything out, as well, as well as the vocals as well. It was a lovely, artistic piece of mixing there, and. That is a skill that you just can't learn. You have to have that natural ability to be able to hear it and to be able to turn what you're hearing into perfect, arranged, balanced art from the artist on stage. Now, along with the... Uh, along with the uh, carrying of the audience and whatnot, Yours and the boisterousness of Justin Hawkins. He had his last number, and I did actually feel sorry for the member of security that did this, but and, but it did look good. It did look good. So he got down from the stage and onto uh, the shoulders of a, a big, beefy security guy. I mean, this guy was a brick <coughs> house, big, built, real bloody massive, and uh, he walked and. He was walked out playing his guitar, singing along into the audience 
and basically did a big old horseshoe uh, movement from stage right through to stage left just going right in the audience and that looked it did look really good and as i said uh, you had a real beefy member of security that did that you wouldn't want a skinny guy to do it that i can guarantee having a fully grown man on your shoulders with his with his meaty guitar as well now i i can guarantee you if you were a darkness fan you would have gone home loving this but if you were dragged to the show by your other half and not really a fan i would guarantee you that person would be singing in a real cracked foot cracked and strained falsetto with some of the songs that, that they uh, listened to that night and they would have totally enjoyed it themselves such a great great show to watch and i would highly recommend seeing the darkness live if you ever get a chance to they were brilliant right now moving on to blackstone cherry well th when they started the house lights went down Oh, by the way, before they also before they started, you had a 20-minute changeover where they removed the darkness's equipment and then built a riser sent the riser center stage that I talked about earlier on in the podcast. That was all rebuilt in 20 minutes, flat and ready to go. So well done, crew. That was a big ask of them, and it worked and it worked really, really well. Right. So the house lights went down and an overture started flashing the lights behind the uh, white kabuki that was hung up to stop the audience from seeing the changeover of them building the of them building the uh, riser center stage and then as the band started up the kabuki dropped with with G CO2 jets blasting downstage from in multiple directions so crisscrossing the stage or whatnot that it did look really impressive actually and then you also had a load of it coming from the mid stage riser as well lighting wise you had blackstone cherries ld who made lots of shapes in the air with his with all his um tightly focused beams from the from the profile units and even the wash units and there was a lot of shapes throughout the lighting changed uh, color and whatnot every so often and then there was a little bit of flash and trash where required and they did a lot of serious serious chase effects with these shapes and put in a lot of uh, strobe effects as well now sound wise yet again we had a very crisp and clean sound and it was definitely of, of platinum quality and performance wise blackstone cherry were full of life and constantly animated with the band members Geez, they were running all over the place with their wireless packs and their guitars up the stairs in the middle of the uh, stage of the band riser and up and down these metal grill ramps as well and those ramps were steep so being able to get all the way up there and constantly running around as well as performing and playing and singing that would have taken a lot of energy and they executed that perfectly <laughs> you just couldn't ask for better to be honest um, and from start free finish they had the audience singing along they had the audience bouncing up and down and a few small circle pits open up for a good measure and Blackstone Cherry were definitely the right contrast to the darkness and both bands 
both bands definitely complemented each other on this tour and for what an amazing high octane performance from Blackstone Cherry as well as The Darkness and as well as Danko Jones so all three high quality bands and they could do no wrong and it was an amazing show to watch and listen to Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit like, subscribe and share. And we shall catch you next time. Bye for now.